ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, you are listening to episode 7 of season 4 of the ASI Podcast. You can subscribe, favorite, or follow on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio app. Get this roll and here we go. Anybody take my hand and walk. Anybody ease my ache. Got a still a rock and roll. And I still call somebody baby. As you step out in the city, no one to find you. Org. My name is Russia. It's not Russia. My name's not Russia. That's a country. My name is Russ Shaw. Russ at asi247.org is both my email address, and if you have the technological ability to figure this out, it's also the website. That was the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, A cool thing about the website and about this podcast is the bumper music I play. You can go to the website, asi247.org, click on the music tab, and you can buy the tunes right there on the the, the website. All right? It's, uh, It's called Bumper Promos in the talk radio business. In speech media, uh, it's called something entirely different. It's called Promo Bumpers, right? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so you can do that there, and I have links mostly to Amazon. Um, uh, in season four, I do get a little kickback if you buy the songs at Amazon. Um, I'm still trying to set up an affiliate thing with Apple. It's just something I don't have time for. <laughs> and the little bits and nickels that I would get, is it really worth it? I don't know. Uh but anyway, you can. There are still links to the iTunes where you can download the songs on iTunes as well. So there's that. Um, in the past, I really didn't care whether I got any money for it or not. But now it's just easier the way they've set it up through the affiliates program with Amazon. I can just, you know, it, it's pretty simple. So um, there's that. What else is going on with the podcast, Russ? Well, I'm glad you asked because. Now, on the ASI webpage, right, ASI247.org, there is a way to interact and um, correspond and uh, kind of be involved with the show. Um, Surveys. It's kind of like I was thinking about kind of racking my brain about, um, you know, how do I interact with the audience in a different way? Uh, what would I say to someone like people that I know like if, if you were in my church or if I knew you and, and you came to me and said Russ I've got this uh, you know uh, this unwanted behavior this this thing right and I know you've had the, the, some success in this area um, what would you say to someone like me uh, 
first of all, uh, again, like the disclaimer, right? Like I'm not a professional. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a priest, prophet, pope, right? I'm a procrastinator sometimes. It's a different kind of P word right there altogether. But uh, you hear what I'm saying, right? That's, uh, uh, you get me. I'm not a professional in any way, shape, or form. So, having said that, if you were my friend, and if we were friends, like if we knew one another, and I wanted to get into your story a little bit, there's no you know, silver bullet for this thing. I wouldn't give you some set of steps or rules or, you know, there, there's sure there's some like strategy things. Um, but that's, that would come later maybe, right? These are some questions that I would ask you to, to get to know you a little better and to, to understand your story some, because it's, that is important. It's important to be known. And I would, some of these questions in these surveys. And listen, you're anonymous, all right? Uh, so you don't put your name on this thing. You're just, you're handing it in and, and I get to know you a little better. You know you filled out the survey. I will not ridicule you or demean you or I, I don't want to come off as judgy. I, I, if I do sound judgy, man, you can take issue with me on that because I am... I am not your judge, right? Discernment and judgment. Again, it's just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shame you. I hate that stuff, man. That's one of those uh, church things that churchy people do that just bugs the living life right out of me. I mean, there's some questions and, and people who asking those questions and the energy that comes at you, and it's just discouraging, all right? There was people in my life as a, as a teenager and even as a kid who had me running from God, not to him, with the, the religious questions and stuff like that. So, right, so I, I don't want to be that. I hope these surveys aren't that. I, I the, the questions there are, they're pretty self-explanatory really um here i'll read you i'll read you the uh the thing that i put above where you click on the surveys anyway here's what i said at the uh on the asi survey page and it's not done yet all right it's just it's it's in construction as i'm recording this anyway uh Keep in mind there is no wrong answers in these surveys. Well, that's why it's a survey, Russ. It's not a test. Duh. Let's see that. I'm critiquing myself. Um, anyway. And you will not be judged, ridiculed, or demeaned for filling them out. Please fill out the survey with the most truthful responses you can bring to mind. Imagination is powerful, and I encourage you to use it here to be an honest truth teller in the explanations via creative metaphors and coming up with your own clever handle or nickname. Uh, having said that, I also understand that this is going to take some courage. I've realized introspection can feel uncomfortable and takes brutal honesty. One thing I've found to be true in my own life experience is deep down, I wasn't fooling anyone really. I only ended up lying to myself. And that's some stuff I said just to encourage honesty in filling out the surveys. So, uh, yeah, and there, there's the three surveys, and here's 
here's what they are, uh, the ones that I have right now as this is being recorded. Um, there may be more in the future. Anyway. The first one uh, is called God and Me, Life-Giving Relationship or Toxic Religion. And this is one that I've noticed, you know, just asking questions to people when it comes to their relationship with God and their upbringing and what they know about God, what they know about, you know, a creator, higher power is what people would call it in the 12-step, right? Who is that? How are you introduced to the creator of the universe and the lover of your soul? I'm, I'm a curious person, all right? I want to know these things. Let's talk about them. So there's that survey, and then I ask uh, questions that, that, that pertain to that. This one's a little deeper, and um, but it's good, all right? There's some stuff in there that these are just good questions uh, that pertain to this topic. Um, it's called Secret Damage Scars or Wounds, uh, the ASI being known confessional. That's what it is. It's a bit of a... A kind of a confessional thing and it's a getting to know you a little more but it's also I ask some questions in there about um, relational damage most of the emotional damage that happens to us is done by uh, uh, other people right I mean that's it, it's not your puppy dies you know my puppy died when I was five and that's horrible those are horrible things to have happen um, but a lot of times it's it's relationships man it's something somebody does or says or something someone teaches you someone teaches you an awful horrible untrue life lesson you know those kinds of things um that that can do the most damage to us so these questions ha pertain to that uh the, the the next one and the one that somebody filled out already is my authentic word picture of a vulnerable moment and it's a little lighter, but it, it deals with the subject of embarrassment and shame. Um, there's difference between embarrassment and shame, right? Th this is one. This is a survey that would have made me really uncomfortable as a younger man. I, <laughs> it's funny how the people that I like, the people that I hang around, the people that I, I click with the most, I've noticed recently, are people that are just, you know, don't mind... Uh, these kind of questions, you know, um, and they may have to get to know me a little better before we delve into stuff like this, but they will go ahead and, 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 and talk about things that have been humiliating to them. And right, like this was humiliating, but it, we can laugh about it now kind of a thing. Right. Uh, or, or maybe not, or maybe it still bugs me. Uh, but, but here's what happened and here's, here's how I reacted to it and here's how I think about it now, right? Those kinds of things. I think that stuff is important. It's like a lesson in humility. There's a difference between humility and be feeling guilty or ashamed, right? I mean, sometimes toxic shame can move in and just, it, it, it can infect and corrode the way we handle embarrassment, you know? Tough situations, situations where we're humiliated. I, I learned that, you know, that a lot of the times when, when something tough would happen or something embarrassing would happen, I would have to be mad or angry or make a joke out of it if it happened. You know, usually a self-demeaning 
joke, you know, something like that. And maybe I still do that. I don't know. But I, I'm, I've learned to handle humiliating things happening to me in my age better than I did when I was younger because I had so much anger that just needed to get out. And, and this is just a silly little survey to help, uh, just to talk about that, you know. Again, just be honest. Whatever happened, happened. And, and uh, you know, we'll talk about it on the show. So, again, ASI247.org. You click on the surveys link on the top. It's, it's a creative way to lure you in there. <laughs> so, I'm not going to tell you what it says. I'll stir up some dissonance. You, you got to see it. It's going to, it might make you chuckle. It might make you scared. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave that uh, ball in your court, so to speak. ASI247.org. <laughs> All right, so now I am back in my home. That's stuff I recorded yesterday while I was driving. <laughs> now I'm in front of the mic. Much better sound, right? I, I don't know. Um, give me your feedback, maybe, on that. I don't know. Uh, so, already had someone fill out a survey. I haven't even addressed it yet, and somebody already filled one out, put them on the website yesterday. I did some more editing to make sure that everything was good. So I have the survey right here in my hand, right here. Um, actually, that's not true. This is a this is a piece of newspaper. <laughs> Just, I'm messing with you. I felt like I should have some kind of a sound effect to say, "Hey, somebody filled out a survey," and I've got it right here in my hot little hand. Put that down there. I don't know. Anyway. So uh, this was a survey filled out in the uh, vulnerable moment category survey. Uh, I, I also wanted to say this. I realize that some of these surveys are going to be difficult for some of you uh, hyper-religious folks. All right, There's going to be people out there who are from, I don't know, South Carolina or they're very astute, you know, Baptist, I don't know, Texas or something like that, that are going to have a hard time with these. And I pray that you stick with me in this because this is some of the the underbelly, right? The undercarriage, the, the where people don't necessarily discuss or talk about things amongst normal social contact. All right. These are kind of behind the counter sort of questions that I would ask you. And they're all questions that I am asking you, the listener. All right. I wrote these things. I wrote these questions. I came up with this stuff. Um, I did bounce some ideas off some friends. But, you know, th these are these are questions that that I'm asking you, a guy like me. All right. I'm not I live in Seattle. I'm not a hyper religious type of dude. I love Jesus. Um, and, and as I read my Bible, most of the religious folks are the villains in, in the New Testament. So, um, you know, not, you get what I'm saying, all right, right? The, the guys who were doing everything right were the guys that Jesus had the hardest time with, it seems, right? The guys who were hyper-disciplined, the guys who were, you know, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's were the ones that, that Jesus is like, uh... Hey, you know, well, 
crack open a Bible, all right? That's, that's all I got to say about that. But again, you may have a hard time with these surveys. Just when I read them, I'm not going to censor myself. This show is marked explicit. Um, I, I'm, I'm, this is about sexual addiction, all right? It's about sexual integrity. You don't listen to this kind of a podcast while you're driving around in the car with your six-year-old, all right? I hate to state the obvious, but uh, there's that. So we're going to talk like adults um, in some of these surveys. Uh, So here it is. (laughs) Survey. Uh, This is a short walk in the light survey to unpack the difference between shame and humility. Um, This guy calls himself slap happy dude. All right. And uh, he's a male. He's between 45 and 55. Uh, When was the last time you were embarrassed or humiliated? Uh, Recently in the last month. Before it happened, did you have a fear of being vulnerable? I always fear being vulnerable. Or I always feel vulnerable, he says. Um, That's powerful. That's something that I feel too sometimes. It comes and goes. Sometimes I think I, I feel like I put on this rough exterior to kind of protect myself from other people it's almost like i have to build energy or charge myself up to keep it up sometimes just being out in the world um i feel vulnerable too man i i feel that i feel you especially as a younger guy i just feeling everything was very difficult for me i think that's why i was prone to addiction, you know, chemical addiction, stuff like that. So I, I feel you when you say that. I, I always feel vulnerable. Reading stories of guys like Kurt Cobain, I think that dude just was one of those guys who just felt everything and had a kind of a jacked up worldview that he didn't know how to how to handle that. Um so question six, talk about a time where you felt heavily humiliated. What happened? I feel like people are going to find out the real me all the time. I think that someday soon someone is going to find out that I am not the guy they think I am. Uh, that's powerful. I love that. That's I, I've been there too. And one of the things that I've learned and, and what I'd like to encourage this listener or anybody who feels like that is to, to, and it takes some effort and it takes some work, but find some behind the counter kind of people, right? People that you can feel comfortable with talking about your secrets, all right? This, this is what recovery groups are good for. The reason why they started out calling it Alcoholics Anonymous is because you, you walk into a group, you hang up your your title, right, your stature it, it, over there on a coat rack, and then you come into this group and you sit down and you share your secrets. You share how you feel. You talk about who you really are. And it's a safe place to be who you really really are without being ridiculed. Or judged and that takes time and it does take effort and it takes maybe going to a weekly meeting or gathering some friends that you can be behind the counter with right people that you know people that you can I don't know how to how to put it again recovery groups are just like some of those groups became like the family I didn't have right 
the family that I could just be blah, vulnerable. Here I am. This is me. This is where I'm at. And it, and it was really healthy, man. It was really good. So there's that. Uh, question seven. <clears throat> How does it feel to talk about it now? Click the appropriate answer. So this is kind of a multiple choice thing. Looking back, it wasn't that bad. And it... Looking back, it wasn't as bad as it felt at the time, and I can laugh about it now. Now that's what whatever it was—the story of being humiliated. Um, he didn't share that, but that's okay. What parable, metaphor, or word picture best describes the experience? And he put foobar, right? F u b a r. That's a that's a military term in my country. If you're beyond the United States, you may not have heard of uh, what FUBAR is, but it, it's an acronym. Uh, it stands for fucked up beyond all recognition. All right. So that's what, <laughs> that's what that means. Uh, how do you feel after drawing the word picture about it? No different. Um, after finishing this, remember that you're anonymous and I ask if it's okay to share this, this survey here on the podcast. And he said, yeah, so that's what I just did. So there you go. That was the first survey filled out. And um, it, again, it's, it's an exercise in, in opening up, sharing what's on the inside, on the outside. And one thing I would say is don't overthink it, all right? A lot of these, these surveys are really more about emotion and how you feel about stuff and just let it pour out of you uh, rather than overthinking it or being trying to be too rational. And this whole emotions are bad or just don't talk about your feelings, it's kind of rampant, especially in Christian culture. And listen, I'm not saying that we should just go swing all the way to the extreme of being drama queens. That's not what I'm talking about, right? But there is emotion involved in how we think and how we react. And that seems to have been squelched a lot in Christian culture, especially in the South. Again, not to... I think I feel like I'm picking on some of you guys in the South with the religious culture down there. But there has been, and it's really not tied to anything biblical, all right? It's tied to this Skinner kind of psychology that came out of the 60s and 70s that said that emotions are bad. It's really a, a, an atheist worldview that said that, you know, we've evolved as human beings past this, you know, lizard brain thing that still inhabits our, our mind, right, that affects ego and... It, emotions if we could just shed our emotions we'd be a lot better off um no that's not true and if you read the psalms for example the psalms are full of emotion the whole bible is full of emotion jesus is is weeps right jesus is full of emotion the bible doesn't shy away from emotion um you fast forward to Today, in like 2011, I believe it was, or 2013, folks talking about cognitive science. And this one guy, Phil Ivey at Berkeley University, talking about how, you know, the realization that everything we do is from emotion. It comes out of emotion. We wouldn't do anything without emotion. Even when you say something like, you know, I, I pushed back my feelings so that I could achieve this. I did things I didn't feel like doing because I wanted success. Well, that's still driven by a feeling, all right? Stuffing our emotions to, to uh, right? It, that's not necessarily what we're doing. Um, 
the feeling of of not wanting to get up and work out, for example, has less to do with emotion and more to do with motivation and drive, all right, which are also emotional things. But the driven feeling underneath that is what? I want to look better. I don't want to feel bad because I'm overweight, whatever it is. I'm just using that as an example. But you see what I'm saying, right? We are all, everything we do, and here, I'll go a step further. Everything we do is spiritual, right? There's emotion and there's spirit. You are not just wires in a box. You are a spirit. You're not a a, a body with a soul. You're a soul that inhabits a body. As C.S. Lewis said that's very true. The heart, this metaphor of the heart, the ancient Hebrews talking about how our, our emotion, our spirit, our life is being poured out and, and everything we do is like the blood pumping from center outwards, from the inside to the outside, from our mind to our hand, from our heart to where we go walking out towards the future, right? Your smartphone, for example, is not spiritual. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have a soul. That's why if you didn't tell it what to do, it wouldn't do anything. It would be a useless piece of electronics, right? Because we have emotions. We have places to go. We have things to look up. We use the device that's got all this intelligence in it. But without our emotion moving that, there would be no life in it. Does that make sense? And it's the same with our faith. Faith without works is dead. That's James 2.17. Part of your faith working out has to do with emotion. Does it not? I love what uh, Nate Larkin said. He said he had a guy that was encouraging him to journal out his feelings. And he says, you know, I, I can't remember his exact words. It was something like, I'm a, I'm a rational guy. You know, I like facts and figures. And I don't, you know, I don't, what about feelings? I'm not a real feeling kind of guy. I just, I just want, I want rationale. I need, the, I need the facts, right? Give me the list and I can do that. And this guy was saying, hey, um, you're doing irrational things for irrational reasons. There's some emotion involved in the, the, what, the what's and the whys of how, we, how our lives play out, right? It's not just wires in a box. You're not just a bunch of rational, logical synapses. You are an, a feeling, emotional creature. So, so keep that in mind it, when filling out these surveys, if you choose to do that, that, you know, don't let yourself overthink it, right? And listen, I'm not going to read every survey on the show, obviously, um, but, but I will read some. And uh, I, I encourage you to, again, go to the website, fill them out, and we'll uh, go ahead and talk about it, right? It's healthy. What else? I wanted to share with you some audio, what I like to call purposeful, intentional audio on the podcast here. And uh, just, again, hanging out in some of the NoFap and NoFap Christians, uh, Reddit subreddits. Uh, again, being in community, this is kind of an online community to help talk about, again, what's on the inside, on the outside, right? Uh, two areas where you can do that is on Reddit. And I have those links on the website as well. 
dealing with relapse and again Stephen Kewen and Craig Gross talking about you know having the date and and keeping that as somehow a goal or that being the main goal uh, what does it mean to go through a relapse why how it feels what you know this counting of days can be if it's if it's the ultimate right if it somehow has too much weight tied to it it can be kind of unhealthy and that's a cool thing about a christian worldview is that we understand um grace and that that grace entering into our heart and soul can change us from the inside out if we let it, right? And I wanted to share this with you. This is from uh, Matthew West, who's a uh, Christian artist, and he wrote writes some music. He writes music about people's stories recently, which is really cool. And he shared this uh, on YouTube about this song he wrote called Day One. And I love this. Here you go. Well, I wish I had a short-term memory. Wish the only thing my eyes could see was the future burning bright right in front of me. But I can't stop looking back. Hey, what's up? I'm Matthew West, and I am beyond excited because it's a new season with new music inspired by new stories. I've been on this creative journey, this mission just encouraging people to recognize that their life is a story and God has a plan to speak through each one of our testimonies. And um, so I've received over 30,000 stories now. I've been reading those stories and writing these new songs. The new record's called Live Forever. And the song that we picked for the first radio single, uh, which is coming out right at the beginning of the new year, we feel like it's a fitting message. It's called Day One. And uh, I want to read a scripture that is really one of the main inspirations for the message in this song. It's uh, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Many of you probably know this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And uh, my prayer with this song and uh, with the stories that we're going to tell that help illustrate this song is just the reminder that no matter where you are in the story of your life right now, no matter how stuck you might have felt, uh, no matter what 2014 uh, signified for you in your life, whatever struggles you were facing, whatever guilt you were uh, wrestling with or being defeated by, uh, today's a new day. And tomorrow, guess what? That's a new day too. And the day after that? it's a new day as well. And so in our journey of faith, every day is day one. Every day is a new beginning. Every morning, His mercy's new. And that makes this day one. Yes, day one, indeed, every single day is brand new, holds new opportunity. 
Um, that's very true. Something to be mindful of. Something that I try and be mindful of when I feel like the days are just kind of, you know, drawing together. And especially in sometimes with the weather around here in the Seattle area, it just rains a lot of the time. It's been nice lately, but when we get in like two weeks where it's raining nonstop, it can just feel like the days are, are kind of molding together into a gray blah, right? And, and it's, it's good to be mindful of the, the grace of God and being prayer and, and continuing our relationship with him. And man, I, I just love that. I'm encouraged by a, a song like that. Uh, I also wanted to talk about, I want to leave you with, uh, with this, uh, a guy who, a guy who I didn't agree with. I, I still, of course, I don't agree with everybody on everything, but this guy, um, just as a comedian and an actor, this guy was very, you know, I'm like, okay, this guy's probably a, a sex addict. Just one of those things. I'm not a doctor, right? But just doing the, watching this dude's life and hearing him do some stand-up and some interviews that he did earlier in his life, um, I kind of like, wow, you know, I, I remember praying for this dude. I think he's brilliant. I think he's funny. He's British. He's a comedian, an actor, been in some pretty popular movies, both here and in the UK and all over the world. Um, he also had some things to say about Fifty Shades of Grey that surprised me and surprised a, a lot of people, really. Had me thinking, here's a guy who's looks like he's had some real heart change recently, maybe, right? Seeing things through different lenses, so to speak. He does a, I'll set the scene for you. He does a YouTube uh, channel called Trues, right? It's kind of like the truth and the news, and it's kind of his take on the news and what maybe is the depth underneath some of these stories. And he's going after some of these news affiliates that are promoting uh, the movie Fifty Shades of Grey when it was released on uh, Valentine's Day. Um I, I too haven't seen the movie. I've not read the book. Um, I, I I didn't know how to... People have asked me, like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, you know, it's art. People are going to consume art for whatever reason. I, I really don't have that much of a stance. I don't know that much about it. But uh, here Russell Brandt says <laughs> what what has been on my heart. And I thought it was just awesome. I just wanted to share the audio with you here. And uh, again his YouTube channel. I'll have a link to that on the website to ASI247.org. Um, as he's doing this YouTube video, he's sitting on his bed with his laptop in his lap um, without a shirt on. It looked like, you know, one of the sheets is thrown over him like a, a toga or something. So here's Russell Brand talking about pornography and Fifty Shades of Grey. The movie Fifty Shades of Grey is out, and it's so damn sexy, it's causing some reporters to immediately get emphysema. That was a scene from the hottest movie out right now. I think I'm having a stroke. I've not read the book Fifty Shades of Grey, I've not seen the film Fifty Shades of Grey, but it must be a global phenomenon because Fox News' Judge Janine is taking some time out from warmongering to trivialise sex. Would you try bondage? Do you want to bondage? Do you want to bondage? Would you do bondage if she wanted you to from Fifty Shades? She normally practices sadomasochism on a more global level. Bomb them. Bomb them. 
keep bombing them? I suppose what her two fields of expertise have in common is they're both about violently extracting fluid resources without permission. <laughs> the much-hyped Fifty Shades of Grey had an impressive opening, banking 94 million domestically and 172 million internationally over the four-day holiday weekend. With both Fifty Shades of Grey and American Sniper, they're purely judged, obviously, on the basis of how much money they accrue. Artistic merit or the value of the content, whether or not, you know, in both cases there are positive things about those films, that's not the issue. It's that these are capitalist products for capitalist times. The movie also inspired merchandising ties. Target is carrying a line of Fifty Shades of Grey themed adult items. Uh, there is a makeup line at Sephora. I mean, it becomes pretty clear that what this is is a fucking about commodification of an idea. There's this product, there's that product, there's this, there's that. There's a Fifty Shades of Grey Vermont teddy bear. There's wines. There's a lot of different themed items. The reason I'm interested in the phenomena of Fifty Shades of Grey is whether or not it's porn from a female perspective. It is still the commodification and mainstreaming of softcore porn. What does softcore porn do to us? And what does porn in general do to both men and women and the way we relate to each other? Or the way that all adults relate to each other? My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. Enlighten me then. I suppose the undercurrent of this is, right, sex is something we're all interested in because of biological programming, but our attitudes towards sex have become warped and perverted and have deviated from its true function as an expression of love and a means for procreation because our acculturation, the way we have designed it and expressed it, has become really, really confused. I don't know if I can be with him the way he needs me to. I heard a quote from a priest that said, pornography is not a problem because it shows us too much, it's a problem because it shows us too little. I don't think what that priest meant is he would like to see more gynaecological and more sort of filthy shots of things. I think what he was saying is that pornography reduces the spectacle of sex to a, a kind of a extracted physical act. There's a lot of statistics here that we've got about pornography. The Journal of Adolescent Health talk about the effects of prolonged exposure to porn, including an exaggerated perception of sexual activity in society, yeah, I think that a bit, diminished trust between intimate couples, I get that sometimes, the abandonment of hope of sexual monogamy, sometimes I wonder if it's possible, the belief that promiscuity is the natural state, I don't want to have that belief, because I, I was obsessed with porn when I was a teenager, and it was nostalgic mad stuff that makes me sound old now, we had to find magazines, places and steal things from under beds. So living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent boy now with this kind of access to porn. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. In fact, Jill Manning, the sociologist, says the upper limits of the impact of this amount of porn have yet to be fully realised because these people haven't reached sexual maturity. But I think my own relationship with pornography is kind of the hub of my feelings of inner conflict and doubt. I know that pornography is wrong, that I shouldn't be looking at it, that lots of people that are working in it are doing so because of the wrong reasons, desperation, self-doubts. I'm sure there's loads of people that work in porn that go, hey, I love it, but there's a general feeling, isn't there, in your core if you look at pornography that this isn't what's the best thing for me to do, this isn't the best use of my time now. I don't put that laptop lid down and think, there! What a productive piece 
of time spent connecting with the world. And the storyline may be on, uh, maybe onto something. In fact, a new study says the more dominant one partner is, the happier the couple. I feel like if I had total dominion over myself, I would never look at pornography again. One day at a time, I'd kick it out of my life. And one of the reasons that I've sensed that pornography isn't good for me as an individual is because of this. Uh, the, the kind of conclusions reached by Gary R. Brooks, who's uh, observed the consumption of softcore pornography like Playboy. He talked about the five main symptoms of looking at softcore porn, but softcore porn really is everywhere. Fifty Shades of Grey is softcore porn, TV adverts, billboards are full of softcore porn, and here are some of the effects of this, uh, the, the symbolism of this culture. Voyeurism, an obsession with looking at women rather than interacting with them. I do that sometimes, I just think, that woman looks beautiful, I don't think, oh, I hope she gets on well with her dad, I hope she doesn't have diabetes, what's she like, has a soul, as another person here in infinite space, I just think, well, oh, she looks nice. Objectification, an attitude in which women are objects, right, by size, shape, harmony of body parts. Guilty of that all of the time, because, you know, I've been acculturated and trained to. This is something that I work on, like, no, come on, see everybody as equal human beings. But once that biological drive to procreate is connected with a culture of objectification, that's a very hard equation to break. Validation, the need to validate masculinity through beautiful women. This is something that I've suffered from terribly. Trophyism, the idea that beautiful women are collectibles who show the world what a man is. Oh no, I've done that before. Fear of true intimacy, inability to relate to women in an honest and intimate way despite deep loneliness. Oh God! Pornography exalts man's sexual need over his need for sensuality and intimacy. I think because I've been exposed to such a lot of pornography from such a young age, it's clear that those phenomena, I personally relate to them. You know, sometimes you read in French, you go, now that's a lot of codswallop. Me, pornography is not something I like, it's something that I haven't been able to make a long-term commitment to not looking at, and it's affecting my ability to relate to women, to relate to myself, my own sexuality, my own spirituality. So, a film like Fifty Shades of Grey, even if it's from a female perspective. Hey, it's only a problem when we have women's porn, yeah? Uh, men's porn's no problem. No, men's porn's a problem as well. Pornography is like trying to solve the problem of racism by inventing a word for black people to call white people that's equally as bad as the N-word. Well, the direction we should be going in is how can we understand our sexuality? How can we express it lovingly in harmony with the principles that it's there to demonstrate procreation and sensual love between consenting adults. The sort of cloud of pornographic information and even soft cultural smog like Fifty Shades of Grey and dumb adverts for lollipops and stuff is making it impossible for us to relate to our own sexuality, our own psychology and our own spirituality because this powerful primal resource, whenever it's plugged in, it's jarring and distracting. I think what it is is the circuit in the mind that's connected to sexuality moves very, very quickly. The, the circuit in the mind that's connected to love and compassion is a little bit slower. So if you're constantly bombarded with great waves of filth, it's really difficult to remain connected to truth. So I suppose what we can do is go and see Fifty Shades of Grey or look at pornography, do what you've got to do, but try to have an idea of what you want from loving relationships and what you want from sexuality. Do have a lovely weekend. I'm going to just shut this laptop now before it causes me any more problems. So that's some true news. Subscribe here. 
Yes, there goes Russell Brand. And I do encourage you to subscribe to his YouTube page. He's got some pretty funny stuff in there. He goes after some atheist thinkers as well, which is pretty rampant, especially in the UK. And uh, it's a pretty entertaining uh, YouTube page, the True News with Russell Brand. And again, not that I'm against atheist thinkers. It's just the way he presents it and busting it open to think about things rationally from a different perspective than your own troop or gang and right confirmation bias, that, that destructive feeling that we all have to just hang around the people we agree with. There's a lot of that in both camps, Christianity and atheism. Uh, but anyway, so it's a pretty entertaining page. Going to leave you with a bumper from that tune by uh, Matthew West and just encourage you this week. Uh, day one, man, it starts every single day. Whether your mark on the calendar is 90 days ago, a week ago, yesterday, last year, or nine years ago, um, just remember that life is playing out every single day. That God loves you furiously. Your your His love for you is not based on behavior. All right, He loves you like a like a loving father loves it loves a child. All right, that's not your earthly father, right? A loving, caring father who does care about you and your brothers and sisters, other people in the world, all right? God is pro you, all right? He doesn't want to destroy all of your fun. He's actually seeking for us to have more life-giving, life-encouraging life, all right? That's John 10.10. I just wanted to encourage you in that. And remember, there is is a God, he does love you, and he is rigorously pursuing you, right? Like my friend Paul Young said, you are being relentlessly pursued by other-centered, self-giving love. Love you guys. I mean that sincerely. That's true. All right. Uh, Go to the website, ASI247.org. Fill out a survey if you feel so inclined. And uh, let me ask you some questions. We'll have some fun with that. Till next time. Bye. Well, I wish I had a short-term memory. Wish the only thing my eyes could see was the future burning bright right in front of me. But I can't stop looking back. Yeah, I wish I was a perfect picture of somebody who's never not good enough. Well, I try to measure up, but I mess it up. And I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I wasn't wishing anymore. Wish I could remember that nobody's keeping score. I'm tired of throwing pennies in a well. 